Bad things happen in Philadelphia. Bad things. We are the Driveway Athletes. I'm Jack, joined tonight by Ed, uh, here for our second podcast of the week. Yeah, we've been hitting uh, two a week. You know. Two a week. We're hopefully going to keep that going until you know the end of draft season, and then we'll figure out what it is we're going to do for regular season shows. Yeah, yep. It's, uh, it certainly is draft season, so... Well, you and I had equated draft season to, like, um, Christmas. Yeah. And I feel like when we're doing these shows, and when I did the draft, you know, the draft atlas and and the ranks and putting together that Bible, that's like when we were kids, if you're around our age, um, for those listening, I I believe most of our audience is in their, like, 30s plus, um, way back before the internet's. You used to maybe go through that Sears catalog and circle what you wanted for Christmas. And I feel like this time is doing that. It's giving your parents the chance to get to the store and get the right things. Yeah. Um, I will admit, though, like last year was like Christmas when you're like 17. Though. Like it just wasn't exciting. Um you know, because of like kind of the the year and uh, COVID and all that stuff, but yeah, it's like Christmas after you got your first job. Yeah, where you feel kind of weird asking your parents to spend a good amount of money on you. You know, like because you buy your own stuff. Yeah, um, but this year I think it's kind of returning back to uh, normalcy. Is this more to like? All right, here's here's the next question. Um, is this like Christmas more for like when you were asking for like a special like G.I. Joe set or Christmas when you're asking for like a PlayStation or Sega Genesis? Yeah, I'm thinking more of like a console for sure. Okay. Yeah. In my case, we we talked about it on a different episode. Maybe it was when I feel like it's like the Christmas that I was asking for Sega CD. Like something I'm really, really hyped for, even though, you know, come when the end of draft day comes, there is a little bit of that, like, all right, now well, now we got to wait for the regular season. You know, not quite the same letdown as like Christmas afternoon. But Yeah, I mean, for sure, like, um, it's definitely console because that never like wore out throughout years, right? You know? Now, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and it wasn't like you already had the console and you asked just for like a couple games, you know, like this is like, you're gearing up, you're gearing up for that one Christmas every couple years that you get that whole brand new console. And it's almost here. We got what, uh, about four more Sundays, right? For our, yeah, our league always drafts the Sunday on the weekend before Labor Day. So um, that is basically four, four in August. We draft on the 29th. Um, we do our draft order, not this Sunday, but next. I'm very excited to have that. 
Yeah, we did we did that for the first time last year. Yeah, so we're going to do it this year again. I feel like it gives you a little primer, a little extra, you know, a little extra to get excited about before draft season. Well, before the actual draft. Um, uh-huh. And, like, I have a draft. I have two drafts the day of our draft, one starting at 1 o'clock, and I think that we set hours for, like, four. Uh-huh. Um, and then I have another one, like, I think, the like the Sunday right before the season starts. So it's in the September. Um, but yeah, so we're here. Um, we've done ranks. We've, we've run through the top 24 running backs, receivers, top 20 quarterbacks, top 20 um, tight ends. We've done a mock draft episode and today's a little, little different. Um, we're not going to be running down lists of players. I uh, I thought it was a good idea to sit down. We talked a little bit about it um, yesterday, but I thought it was mm-hmm. a good idea to, to do some philosophy discussion. Yeah. Um, so I guess why don't you get us started on some of your general philosophies? Um, so... There's a couple things that that uh, fall in philosophy. There's a couple things that fall into structure. So, like one of the one of like the philosophies is um, don't get too locked into one strategy come draft day. Um, don't be afraid to take a guy who fell to you, but also don't feel like you have to take a guy that fell to you, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's easier said than done sometimes, but um, also don't be afraid to take your guys. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with that a lot. Um, so, I mean, I'll use the example of, well, last year's a little hard to use the example, but I'll, I'll use it anyway for myself. Um like, I was always into picking running back no matter what in the first round um, because of the kind of scarcity of the position. And then I think I picked, like, around 10 or 11, somewhere there. And when it came around to me, like, you know, I just didn't like the running backs that were available to me at that particular spot. So I went ahead and went against like what I always did and took Michael Thomas as my number one player. Obviously that didn't work out, but what I'm getting at is like I went off of what I normally had done. And I mean, like obviously that pick didn't work out, but like when you do that, it changes like that's a domino that falls. Right, mm-hmm. and it changes how you're going to address each pick going forward. Um, so while it didn't work out, the reality is, is you had, I mean, you had the most successful season one person can have in fantasy. You won the championship, but also mm-hmm. like in general, I think that you had probably the best season you have had in in this league, other than maybe one year. Yeah. Um. Um. I, I just remember, and this is going back several years, and, like, it, it always happens uh, the way, like, it's 
things are ranked as far as like and specifically running back because everybody gets locked into taking you got to take running back in the first round and i remember like a, a couple years ago like cj spiller was like i don't know like the 10th ranked running back and he went in like the first round because it said to take a running back 10th it's just like all right, just because it says to take that player there, is that the wisest of moves? Like, look to see who else is around you, what is available, that really, you really got to try to hit in the first round. And we we don't really talk about injuries because you can't predict those. Yeah, and so, like, I guess your point being... Maybe especially, almost especially if you're picking, like maybe after the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, don't be afraid to take a like quote unquote safer player. Um, my feeling is is like you're gonna bust. One of your top like four picks is going to bust. Like no mm-hmm. matter how much research you do, either gonna get hurt or they're just not gonna be what you thought. And you want to limit that a little bit. And how you limit that as you get through those first four or five picks is really going to be how you shape your team, right? Like, so you had Michael Thomas, quote unquote, bust, but mm-hmm. um, you buttress that a little bit in different spots. And it's going to be a mixture of risky and safe. And I think we get locked into the positional scarcity part of running back. And miss out on the high, the value of those high performing receivers. Mm-hmm. Like you're not saying take, you know, the tenth best receiver because you like them. What you're saying is is it's okay to say I don't like this player. Correct. Like uh, basically, like so. I'm looking at like you got to think about who's going to come around to you. Also, like. All right, do you want, I don't know, like, who would you rather have? Like, Devontae Adams and, let's say, like, Aaron Jones or Austin Eckler or Jonathan Taylor and, I don't know, Calvin Ridley. Like, I guess that would be an option. I don't know, like. I feel like Adams or Hill are such dynamic players that I think they're worth the pick over possibly a running back that you don't know how they may perform. No, I think that like the rate at which you're likely to pick the you know as the tenth running back off the board, the one that's going to finish better than that gets lower, right? Like. We have a pretty good handle that like the guy, the the top six running backs barring injury should finish inside the top twelve, right? Like that's in my opinion, your bet isn't always to finish as the running back one. Your bet mm-hmm. is to finish you know, these are the guys most likely to only they can only be so bad. Um, and that's what we talk about when it, we talk about like opportunity or offensive structure or whatever. And when you get to like running back 10, it gets a lot more dicey about project projecting that like top 12 or top six. The, the likelihood gets lower. There's a reason those guys are ranked lower. 
especially if they have a smaller work sample size, right? And I think like that's what you're talking about with like a CJ Spiller or some years ago with CJ Anderson who had like a four game explosion. Kenyon Drake, you know, like we've seen these guys, and there's a reason why you know that 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 sample size is why can be why the offense can be why the unknowns, but it's much more likely that Devontae Adams or Tyreek Hill are going to finish top three than it is maybe some of those guys finishing top 12 and position scarcity can be a rough argument because just because a a position is scarce doesn't mean it's going to be comparable, right? So it might be just more valuable to have the wide receiver two or three than it is to have the running back 10, regardless of how scarce that position is. Correct. Yeah. Um, And then we start talking about like positional advantage, right? Um, I think we briefly discussed this on maybe another podcast as far as like, you know, it's a, a weekly game, basically, you know, um, and you're trying to get an advantage over the play, the player that you're playing that particular week. So when you're constructing a roster, you want to keep that in mind, right? I mean, I think that it would be wise mm-hmm. to look at like your wide receiver one versus their wide receiver one, your wide receiver two versus their wide receiver two, your tight end versus their tight end, their, your quarterback versus their quarterback. Yeah. And obviously you're not going to be, well, I shouldn't say obvious. It's, it's hard to be strong at, with every single player on your roster. Like you do have to make some concessions, I think. No matter how well you draft, you're going to have weak a weakness. You know, like I don't I don't care. You know, like you can have a high end weakness, but you're still gonna have a weak you, you know, like no you're not gonna have the one at every position. No, definitely not. Um and philosophically, like I think I'm willing to sacrifice at my tight end as, as like my weak spot. I mean, that's, you're either going to sacrifice tight end or quarterback for the mo for the most part, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, for, you know, like there's only, but like really three tight ends that preseason wise we're saying are high end tight ends, right? So you if you don't get one of those, that's only three picks, <laughs> right? Right. Like, so quarterbacks a little deeper, so tight end, the idea is you're going to sacrifice there because you're just unlikely to pay the price of admission to get one of those three guys, right? So if, and your feeling is if you don't get one of those three guys, they're all kind of close to the same as far as like preseason evaluation. And I know we say three guys, but in my opinion, there's only really one guy. I don't know, maybe two. It depends if you play if you play full PPR, I think mm-hmm. that Waller is very valuable. Yeah, I'll give you that. Correct. Because we've talked about like um Kelsey basically being like a like if he were a wide receiver, he'd finish as like the third 
best, right? Like every year. Yeah, like, and he's been the top tight end so many times. Like, again, barring injury, um, we know this is a known commodity. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 more predictable offense, right? Like, so if you were to tell me next season, all of a sudden the Raiders are going to be throwing to their receivers more than Waller. Well, we don't have enough of, we have two year history of Waller. We don't have more than that. And we don't think that Derek Carr is necessarily Patrick Mahomes. Which is why Kelsey separated from another high performer at that position. Yep. Um, but I guess this is a good spot to talk about a, a part of philosophy, right? So you're going to wait on tight end. And then I feel like there's basically a couple schools of thought, right? Which is one I'm going to pay up for one of the high-end tight ends. Um, Kelsey, Waller, Kittle. And then there's another one that's going to say I'm going to wait and I, maybe I'm going to take two low-end and hopefully one is good, you know? Yeah, yeah. Or there's kind of where I'm feeling, and that's like if I might not wait that long, but I'm not going to try and take a quote-unquote safe guy. I'm going to swing for the fences. Um, yeah, you might as well, I, <laughs> for sure. Um, and I, is, I think I was going to say, like, I would think that player would be Kyle Pitts, right? Exactly the name I was thinking of. Yeah, it's that, like, that's – that's swinging for the fences. It's swinging for the fences. Obviously, there's risk involved. Um, but would you rather swing for Kyle Pitts and miss or take someone who's safer, but really the ceiling isn't that high? Yeah, and I think if again my philosophy if you're looking for your tight end to win you weeks um there's only so many guys that can do that yeah like i think kelsey like transcends the possession a bit yeah he's again he's better than what we think of gronk at his peak yeah because the peak is much longer <laughs> You know, like, um, obviously not the same level of, like, physical freak, but as far as, like, consistent top-end performances, he's as good as, you know, if you go down, like, Antonio Gates or, or any of those other guys that, at uh, Tony Gonzalez, that uh-huh. were good fantasy tight ends for, you know, pretty much most of their pro careers. Damn, Kansas City's had basically two Hall of Famer tight ends. Under different coaches. Yeah. Impressive. Yeah. Um, so, like, I guess that, right, so that that unpacks multiple, right, where this is perfect because that unpacks multiple conversations here. So one is, is, is your, I think it's a fair thing to do is wait at tight end. I think that if you don't get one of the top three guys, it's fair to say, like, screw it. I'm going to take, I'm going to just wait. And come the 11th or 12th round, I'm going to take Adam Troutman and and, and I'm going to take a second, I'm going to take Irv Smith. And I'm going to hope that one of these guys is good. You know, like, 
Um, and it's not good. It's it's free. Like yeah. Darren Darren Waller was uh, a couple years ago. Yeah. And um, but that unpacks like that is a positional de- decision, right? So like people wait at tight end, people wait at quarterback, and I think it makes sense to wait at both. I just don't think you can wait too long at quarterback in most home leagues um, and still get serviceable play. And you can't, like the thing is, is you can't win. You just can't without getting 20 points out of your quarterback. No. And I, the reason I think that, that with the quarterback position is because, I mean, let's face it. It's a, it's, the most exciting or one of the most exciting positions in sports. So like naturally, like you're more fan of that position. That's how I look at it anyway. Um, I think people just look at total points. Yeah. So, which is dangerous to look at just total points because that doesn't, we, we kind of said it, that doesn't always tell the full story, right? Like, um, you only start one quarterback in most leagues. And like I said in the beginning, like you're looking for your quarterback to beat the other person's quarterback per week. Or if they're even, you know, even like, so you're, you're almost like canceling the other team's position out in a way. But but what we talked about when we did the quarterback episode was there isn't much positional drop-off other than, like, maybe the top two guys. Correct. Um, yeah. So the idea is, is if you want to beat that matchup, the reality is, is, like, there's a huge group in the middle, you know? And what we talked about, like, the issue a little bit with positional scarcity, like, relying on that and that alone— and it can backfire. It can backfire here as well, where you say like, well, this is not a scarce position. I'm going to wait. But the reality is in most home leagues, I'm speaking from experience here. <laughs> mo- most teams are going to draft two quarterbacks. Yep. And if you wait too long, all of then a sudden. you starting Garden Minshew every week. All of a sudden, that <laughs> positional depth becomes scarce. Yeah. And, um, if you, uh, what I had written in my like 10 draft commandments last season was if that's the strategy you're going to go with, like, I'm not saying you can't be successful, but you have to be like a pig and, and be ready to root through the, the mud. And the issue is, is sometimes when you're rooting through mud, you end up with shit all over your face. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been in the same position, like me and you basically um, were into that hold on till like the 10th round to pick your quarterback and that majorly backfired, right? Like I've had years where I've had success, but I've had years where I ended up with shit on my face. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. I mean, great point. Um, I think the year you had success was Cam Newton. Um, His MVP year. 
Um, yeah. And then the following year, I really weighed it, and then someone traded me Matt Ryan in his M- MVP year. You know, like, um, but it has backfired on me. Or, or I've taken that strategy, waited, made the right decision, but didn't want to wait it out. Like Jameis Winston, his last year in, in Tampa. Um, because I just said, oh, I'm just going to stream. You know, this guy's not a good quarterback. I'm just going to stream. And I missed out on a good fantasy season. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a bad football season. But a but good a fantasy great, season. Yeah, right. So not only when you're going to take that strategy, sometimes you have to you know, live by the sword, die by the sword. And um, you might have to wait and and ride those bad weeks um, because you're not going to find in most of your home leagues, you're not going to find anybody worth streaming because most teams are rostering two quarterbacks. Right. Um, I think another philosophy we have, it's, and this is like in season is like, don't, always fall in love with all your players. Um, there are certain ones to love, but there are certain ones that you may need to, you want, might want to trade, right? I mean, personally, be willing to trade anybody, but don't be so willing to trade anybody that you'll, you won't get something good back. Yeah. Um, but don't also fall in love with your your team as drafted because you're also going to have to bench players that you like. You know, sometimes they're just not what you thought they were going to be or they have a bad season or quarterbacks bad hurt, bad matchup. Like you can't, as at your words, you can't love your team without being rational. You have to have an, a mature way of loving your team. You know, ac- ac- yes. accept them for their flaws. <laughs> yeah. Not, not an infatuation. Um, so like another one that I was, uh, that went along with this swing for the fences is I like to like, once you get out of like your quote unquote, like nucleus picks, which I think are like your top four, and that might be two receivers, two running backs. That might be three running backs, one receiver, any way that you build that, but don't be afraid to then start hunting for high upside guys. I think the rate at which you hit in those fifth round, sixth round picks is low anyway. And this is why I think like waiting, waiting, waiting on quarterback isn't always wise because it might be worth it to have a good quarterback than to be taking a, what you think is a safe player. And they're not that safe. There's a reason why they're in the fifth or sixth round, you know, or thinking a guy's safe, and they're safe, but they're not really start worthy. Wouldn't you rather have a guy that may explode? You know, like, wouldn't you rather have Alvin Kamara his rookie year or um, Nick Chubb his rookie year where they really kind of took you over the top at the end of the year? And not that necessarily those players cost you fifth or sixth rounders, but you want to hunt for some of those guys. You want to hunt for the Justin Jeffersons. You want to hunt for some of these guys that have high upside because it's not always good to go safe. We aren't always great at predicting how good offenses are going to be in the offseason. Sometimes you think an offense is going to be good, and it's not. Sometimes you think an offense is going to be bad, and it's good. Um, sometimes you want to draft based on talent. 
Sometimes you want to draft based on opportunity, but you should always be looking for high upside guys when you get out of those. I mean, there's a there's an argument to be made that you should be looking for high upside guys the entire time. But mm-hmm. when you're er- picking earlier, I feel like your margin for error is smaller. You know, like if you miss on like three picks in your first four, you're going to have a real tough sled. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was like, uh, a, when we're talking philosophies, like know your scoring system, you know, like build on your scoring system. Like if you're half point or full point, like know the players that are going to get you those points, you know, like it's, it's that, but Ed, like we, in our league, like long touchdowns have, have big bonuses attached to them. So right. like if you can, if you get like, again, a Derrick Henry, there's value, there's a, additional value in a player that has a habit of taking it long ways. Or like a Tyreek Hill, you know? Right, like... right. To your point, know you're scoring. Yep. Um, and then you have to like, when we're talking about philosophy and we're talking about building a team some some philosophies about like grab a drink of water calm down you don't need to ride the trends don't get caught up in the emotion of the draft it's a fun day but don't get swept away that like i've got to take a tight end now because they're all going if you don't like the guys that are there wait if there's a guy that's supposed to go around later that you like well he might not be there when you pick next take him uh-huh you know, like, get a drink, grab a chicken wing, take a breather. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's solid uh, solid advice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it's, I think we gamify ourselves too much when it comes to drafting. Uh-huh. And I think that there's a tendency, one, to ride the emotion, and then two, to try and be the smartest person in the room. Yeah. I mean, if you're, you, and know your league mates, you know, like, do they do the same homework you do? Um, chances are they do if they're serious. Chances are they do. It's unlikely that you both find your homework in the same places. Um, yeah. But, uh, yes, chances are, even in, like, th- we're in, I think that everybody in, our home league, you know, pays it. We don't have anybody that quits. We don't have anybody that doesn't, you know, that goes into the draft and takes a guy who hasn't played in two years. You know, like we don't have a league like that. It's a fairly, people take it fairly seriously. Uh Um, But I think that in part of doing your research and knowing your league mates is knowing, knowing your researchers. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to go and get ranks, Know how your researchers actually view these players. Because I can, I can tell you, like, and I said it yesterday and I'll say it again. When, I'm, when I went through and did my ranks, there's different reasons for each player why they fall where they do. Some players fall where they do and they might even be in the top 24. Then I'm not necessarily a fan of taking them in the top 24. Mm-hmm. But... 
Some of it is range of outcome decisions. Some of it is liking the player. Some of it is liking the ceiling. Some of it is liking the floor. Everybody, right? Like a player like Robert Woods brings something different to the table than say, um, I'm trying to think of like who's in that, right? Then Julio Jones, right? Mm -hmm. They're around the same spot. Um. If given the choice, depending on my roster construction, even though they're separated by seven ranking spots, I may take Woods over Julio, depending on what I need. And depending on who you talk already. Yeah, right. So don't, like, I think we tend to, when you go, here's the thing. Like, I guess, like, here's, I think what you mean you are getting at here when it gets to ranks is you go down, someone if someone says, hey, take a look at my team I drafted this past week. I can, with a reasonable degree of certainty, figure out, even if, if they give it, give it to me by position, figure out where they picked, like what order they had, and where they picked what player. Right? Right. And I think that... Like, that's fine, but it also, to me, speaks to being married to ranks too much. And I think the average person in the average league relies too much on the ranks that they bring. Um, so, like, how do you... How would you break that, though? You know what I mean? Like, you, well, you're... How do, how do I break it? You know, like for yeah. myself is I, right. I broke it by doing my own research, right? Like, um, now not that I didn't, if know, I like... didn't, if, if you didn't, then my advice would be to seek out more than one source of ranks. Yeah. I mean, that's a good, that's definitely a good way to do it. Um, I use a couple myself. Um, I mean, generally speaking, they're pretty close, right? Yeah, like what I noticed in like when I did it, like you know, the consensus. Even if you're higher on a player or or lower on a player, you're usually at the most separated by five. You know, like you usually don't see a difference of like ten. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't see someone who was ranked ten. <laughs> And then you have them ranked at like, you know, 23 or something. That's not really the the difference. But when you start going down, those that variance is going to affect what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And like personally, I also feel like and, – and, and again, I, I, I keep – I feel like a broken record. If you're listening to, to us – you know, um, thank you. <laughs> but also, <laughs> like, I think it's good if you decide, like, hey, I, I just don't like what it is. I don't agree with what it is you have to say about a certain player. That's that's fine. We can disagree. Don't only seek out a source of ranks that you agree with. See what I have to say. See what someone who you uh, align more with and see if you actually agree or if you realize, like, this person didn't even address what my critiques were or why my play- this player was lower for me. Mm-hmm. We all come to decisions. And, and the reality is, is, like, we live in an era where you can 
you know, before you would you would buy a magazine and what was written is what was written and that was it. That was your level of interaction with the person. Um, and now you can you can hear you can hear when we change our opinions. You can hear when things move up and down. I think that it's just a a point of information that is it's good to hear from your author. Yeah. Um, I, there's definitely major differences between like now and years ago, right? Like we, ha- we have up to date information like at our fingertips uh, every minute of the day. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like definitely go into your draft with updated stati- bring your computer <laughs> at least a tablet yeah um and then like again don't get information from everywhere cuz then you're just going to get confused you know yeah I'll, narrow it down a bit you know i'll be uh, look you and i have listened to fantasy football podcast now for what Seven years? Yeah, at least. At least. Part of the reason we started this, part of the reason I wanted to start this, wasn't just because I thought that, you know, I'm, I'm interesting and everybody should listen to me and, and whatnot. But part of the reason we went this route is um, there are things that, that I don't agree with or that I think different or whatever. But... We listened for seven years, you know, for me to mostly like two different podcasts and that's it because they're brought me good information, you know, like league um, winning information in some cases. Yeah. In yeah. some cases. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, you outgrow or things change and people don't really, you know, they're, they're not caught up fully with, with changes or, you know, there's different points of data that they're not using or, or whatever else. And you, you feel like you have a, a, a different way. So, but again, there's a million choices of who you're going to listen to. I appreciate if you're listening here that you're listening here. But don't be afraid to, to grab another source of data. Just don't grab too many. Yeah, don't overwhelm yourself, basically. You, you'll love every player, right? Because every, every podcast has different guys that they like. Um, you'll end up loving everybody. And I think what I said, I think I said this to you, like maybe like a week ago, I'm like, you notice with like podcasts, like you'll have like two or three guys, they're talking and they'll name a player and none of them like that player where they're being taken. I'm like, how is that? Like, these players have to get picks, do they not? Like, and people who are doing mock drafts, like that, that those lists are comprised by people like you. You know, like, mm-hmm. um. So if you don't like where this player is going, well, you're part of the feedback loop. Yeah, I started to like get a bit annoyed by that. Like, oh, they name a player. Oh, well, yeah, I. I... I like that player, but not in that round. It's just so, like, oh, okay, like <laughs> to to bring us full circle. To bring us full circle. Um, 
I think that that's being too locked into value. If you like the player, you like the player. Now, if you're saying he's going four rounds too early, fine. If you're saying it's a yeah, difference in sure. 12 picks, if you like the player, you like the player. And yeah, I, think, I mean... I think trying to parse out a half round or a round's worth of value is a good way to ensure that you don't like your team at the end of the at the end of the draft. Listen, we've definitely busted balls in our draft. Like when somebody takes a player like seemingly like way too early. And honestly, like at times it's come back to bite us. I, I, I remember like we uh like I think we like bust on your dad for taking like like Chris Thompson, like way too early, <laughs> and he wound up like having a good season. So like, obviously, you, your dad liked that player for whatever reason, um, and it actually worked out for him. So, if you like him, you like him. Yeah. You know, like that's like I'm again. I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, you like, you know, Jared Dokes the the rookie running back in Miami who's probably third on the depth chart take him in the fourth round but at the same time if you like him don't take him in the fourth round but it's okay to draft him yeah um if you like a player you like a player it's okay to reach just be leery of how far you're reaching but this idea that like Oh, I don't like him here, but I like him 12 picks later. Well, he might not be there 12 picks later. Yeah, you also have to know, like, your, like, your, your, uh, people in your league, like, who they've picked already, and will that player come back to me? So, like, do you really want to risk it? Like, sometimes you just don't even want to risk it. And, like, that's, I guess, what it, like, when you get too locked into value and too locked into cost of admission, you could potentially miss out on a bunch of players that you like. And, and I me, know like that happened to you. Like you were a big fan of Chubb, right? And you got locked into like a way of thinking, thinking, Oh, like nobody's going to take Chubb here. And what happened? He was taken. So, um, so to I, your point, yeah, like if you like that player that much, you better grab him. Yeah, I feel like if you if you like the player, like so, we'll say like, this. I know who it is for you this year. Um, it's Clyde Edwards. Um, you're really liking him, and you know, like we've discussed it, like. I've done a bunch of mock drafts where he's going at the end of the second rounds or very early third. Um, And you've kind of said, like, you like that player. And listen, like, I'm going to try to snatch him up if I can. If So here's the thing is, like, if I'm picking in the second round and, and here, like, it's a bunch of ifs and thens. So if I'm picking in the second round and say I have a middle of the round pick and things have gone according to script and then I'm picking and both Najee Harris and Antonio Gibson are off the board, I will take Clyde Edwards. 
unless there's a wide receiver of great value um, that I really, really like that I know won't get back to me. Um, but more likely than not, I'm going to take Clyde. Um, mm-hmm. That's just, again, I like him, but I'm also, I also know that if I'm the sixth pick and I don't get the sixth until the sixth pick again in the third round, there's no way he's getting back to me in the middle of the third. Mm-hmm. So it becomes a question of would I rather have Clyde Edwards or receiver X receiver X might not make it back to me as well. You know, say AJ Brown, right. Or, um, DK uh-huh. Metcalf, right. Like I have to make a decision if I'd rather have Clyde Edwards and one of those players. Cause it's, it's likely that none of those players are going to get back to me. Yeah. But I, you know, it, it might be that I'm okay with that. And I'm okay with, taking Clyde Edwards at the sixth pick of the second round rather like instead of saying like, I don't like him here. I really like him at the first pick of the third round. Well, I don't have the third pick of the first or the first pick of the third round. So what am I supposed to do? Just say, ah, screw it. I'm going to take a player. I I like less because (laughs) he's five picks better or six picks better. Like I just don't agree with, with that. Unless um, again, if Devontae Adams is sitting there, um, that's a much different conversation or Tyreek Hill or, you know, like, or again, as I said, Antonio Gibson or, or Najee Harris, but chances are those players will all be off the board. And then I have to really be looking at a different tier of receiver and Clyde Edwards, who I think, again, it's not necessarily about the floor. It's about the ability to finish top five and just being on that offense provides that opportunity. Yep. So, and that's what we're talking about in, in range of outcomes or what do you like ceiling floor, um, safety, high risk, high reward swinging for the fences. I think Clyde Edwards is, you don't get, when you look in that range of running back, right? Cause Clyde Edwards is going around where like, J.K. Dobbins and DeAndre Swift are going, I believe. Yeah, correct. I think that Clyde Edwards has an easier path into the top five than those two guys do. I I'm with you there, um, but do he's I think also it's... going around like where, like say, like Allen Robinson or or. Uh, that's a roster construction decision, right? Like, Correct. Or Justin Jefferson, right? Like Right. That that becomes a roster construction decision. And like again, when we get into positional scarcity of decisions, it depends what pick I took earlier. If I started my draft and I at pick six and said, you know what, I'm taking Devontae Adams. I know Aaron Rodgers is back. They got Randall Cobb back, so he's not literally the only receiver on the team. Um I'm taking Devontae Adams at pick six. Well, then I'm not really worried about Justin Jefferson or right or um, any other any other receiver, Allen Robinson or any other receiver in that range. I don't think that that's out of the question of things you could choose to do. I think that after Clyde, Clyde represents a major drop off in high end. Um. Major, yep. 
And that's that's one of the reasons I like him so much. I think that Najee Harris, Antonio Gibson still offer that upside. I think that there are risks to all three of these players. Um, and what you're drafting there is knowing Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes <laughs> are going to be responsible for a good offense. That's a pretty predictable thing. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that for sure. So it becomes then how you what you did with your first pick, and when you get into this range of running back, how many truly have the ability to outperform where they're going? Now I'm not sitting here saying it's impossible for DeAndre Swift to be a great running back, or for J.K. Dobbins to match that 15 touchdowns that Ingram had in 2019. I just think it's more likely that Clyde would, right? And these mm-hmm. are the, this is what you have to do when you're sitting there with your picks. And go, uh, this is what I've done. I like this player. Do I like him this much? Do I like him that much? What do I believe is a realistic range of outcomes for him? Do I feel comfortable pulling the trigger on this player six picks early? Because every mock draft I did, he went, you know, 301. Mm-hmm. That's my tangent of the night, I guess. That's a good tangent. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> but you do that, and that might be what you might do this same conversation I just did with Clyde with A.J. Brown. Or yeah, DK I'm, Metcalf. I'm having, yeah, like I'm I'm doing my practice with, I mean, we've talked about mock drafts as a good tool. Like this is your, I would highly suggest it and just see like how you, how your team ends up picking players in certain spots yeah don't and we said it in our mock draft episode we're going to say it here because it's draft philosophy and and all that good stuff don't do a mock draft trying to win the mock draft that's a stupid goal it's not a real Mm -hmm. fantasy teams aren't real teams and a mock um draft is a fake version (laughs) of a not real team (laughs) yes you go in and you feel what it feels like to take Travis Kelsey at pick nine or again to take AJ Brown at pick 14, you know, like Mm -hmm. you're doing this to see how it feels if you reach, because are they, you know, is it likely this player is going to get back to me? Is it likely that that player is going to get back to me? How does my team look if I wait to take a running back until the fourth or fifth round, you know, like, do I like it? Am I comfortable with it? Do I like the, these guys that I might have? You know, I can tell you that year that I had Cam Newton, and then we're, we're going to start wrapping up. Like that year that I had Cam Newton, I had a great fantasy season. Now I went C.J. Anderson, who was a bust. I had like pick eight. And then I went um, DeAndre Hopkins. And then with my third pick, I took Beckham. Or it was reverse. Now this was the year like, I don't know, like Matt Schaub may have been throwing the DeAndre Hopkins. But, um, and I felt like I was going to be really thin at running back. My point is what I'm saying here is I'm like, mm-hmm. oh man, I took, you know, like the, the, the running back positions thin and I took Jonathan Stewart and Chris Ivory back to back. And my point mm-hmm. is, is I busted my first running back pick and I still in those fourth and fifth rounds, um, got a top 10 and a top 12 back now yeah uh, it's it's yeah absolutely 
So the, the point being is, is like, this isn't like, look at how smart I was that year. The point is, is that I knew that I wasn't taking Jonathan Stewart or Chris Ivory and they had a path to be a top five back. You know, like I thought CJ Anderson did. Um, I was wrong, but I thought that was the case at pick eight. But I knew that they were solid pieces on their team. So Mm -hmm. like you can take what reminds me of Jonathan Stewart and Chris Ivory um, this year are those Mike Davis, Miles Gaskin um, type players who we know they're going to be part of their offense. They're probably not going to be like they probably don't have a pathway to be great, but you can still build a good team. Yeah, like I, I've been toying around. Like they they call it the hero RB strategy, um, you know, and it's nabbing one of those like top three running backs. So like, let's just say you get McCaffrey first overall, and then you decide to just like stack up on some wide receivers, and you got Mike Davis sitting there in the in the fifth, like he might be a solid addition to your team because he's the only back in town right now. Um, so, you know, like kind of McCaffrey is almost like having two running backs at times uh, or running back in a top end receiver. Yeah. So there's all sorts of, strategies out there. I don't believe in the zero RB strategy, but um, that's just me. I don't like, I just don't know that I like, you want to talk about like riding the emotion too much. I just don't know that I could do that. Like, I don't know that sitting on draft day, I could actually go through with it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are merits to it. You know, like there are merits to it, especially in half and full PPR formats. Um, that being said, I just don't know how there's not been a year that I've, I've had fantasy successes or I've had fantasy failure having the number one running back in the league, but I don't know that I've ever had fantasy success, not having a top 10 running back. Right. Um, it's just how many shots do you have to take in those fifth rounds and more to try and find at least the top 10? Um, I don't know. I just, I don't know that like I could actually pull the trigger on doing it, but I do think there are merits to it. I just don't agree. (laughs) So I think that's a good spot for us to, to to wrap up today. (laughs) Yeah. I think, um, still, still go with some energy. Um, we'll be back next week, um, with two, uh, unknown topics, uh, right now, but we'll be back next week to talk more fantasy. Um, again, uh, if you found us solely through Anchor or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, go like the Facebook page, go follow on Twitter, follow on Instagram, check out the Teespring store, get some merchandise, um, rate and review. You can leave an audio message, I believe, now on Spotify and Anchor. Um, say that you hate us. Yeah, fine. say, yeah, dude, you're an idiot. I can't believe I wasted <laughs> an hour of my life, um, you jackass. Um but come back next week. Hear what else we have to say. If you haven't already, go back and listen to those positional rankings. Um, and we'll be back. All right. Good night.